0: hey everybody welcome to episode nine of digging deeper let's go We have another episode of Digging Deeper here, and I'm very fortunate to have uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Brian Yang as guest here. Uh, Brian and I go quite a long ways. eh? Brian, probably, I think, undergrad, UBC days. We were in the same medical school class. Uh, Brian was uh, president of our um, medical school class, I think, for two terms, I believe. And now he's a uh, busy practicing urologist at uh, Royal Columbian Hospital. But what we want to talk about today is um, the balance between work and life and raising kids because brian is uh, a father him and angelique have three uh, kids and uh, I maybe how how old are your kids brian
1: yeah so uh we have isaiah who was born when i was a resident in hamilton he's uh, 10 going on 11 and esme is actually turning seven on wednesday and Elias has just turned three. So it's uh, it's interesting because it, all three of them are at different stages of their, their childhood right now.
0: Yeah, and actually we, we're going to get into kind of the differences in different stages of, of uh, raising a child. But one thing I always recall, you know, Brian and I don't see each other too much because, you know, you're very busy. And every time I see you at the hospital or run into you when I ask how you're doing, undoubtedly you would always say, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of um, our colleagues kind of want to hear from you and your, your advice on, you know, how do you balance uh, a busy practice and, and, and career with, with family? And uh, so what I want to get into is kind of, yeah, so generally speaking, how, how do you balance uh, uh, raising three kids and, and working?
1: Well, Ben, it's a work in progress, right? I mean, you never know how good of a job you do until it's in retrospect. But you try to learn from your friends that have gone through this before, and um, you know I have I have a good friend Cal Andrea, who's a urologist in um, in Surrey, and I turn to him a lot for advice. He has uh, he's raised three wonderful kids, and the first thing he told me is uh, you know you got to make sure you have the the right spouse, right? Yeah. Somebody who's willing to to you know put in extra where where we can't because. As clinicians, and I have to say, I'm probably one of the top three or four busiest urologists in BC right now. And um, and just as busy as I am clinically, you know, I can't be there for everything. And thank goodness for Angelique. Uh, she's really a good mom in terms of um, planning and, and making sure they get to their, uh, their various different events. I think she's kind of nuts sometimes because she has them signed up for too many things. And I think that's one trap that we can talk a little Bit about later because it's not the same as when you know when we were kids, right? When we yeah. were kids, uh, you, there was an organized nothing, yeah. You, you just uh, you, you went about you did your homework, and once you're done there, you can do whatever heck you want. You want to watch TV for the whole afternoon, evening, you go ahead, you want to run outside all night, go ahead. But now everything's scheduled, right?
0: Yeah, and actually, when I go on my Facebook, I don't go often, but there's these news feeds that people post, and one of the news feeds I recall coming uh, across is, you know, are our kids too busy. They have too many activities, but um, you know, did you and Angelique have these discussions before you had Isaiah about how you guys wanted to raise kids, what were your expectations, uh, and did your expectations meet?
1: Yeah, Ben, I I think we probably, in retrospect, probably should have had more of those discussions. We were both young. I think we were about twenty-seven, you know, twenty-eight when we when we were pregnant with Isaiah. All the excitement took over, and um you know i we probably should have spent more time, but having said that, listen, you don't really know what you're getting, getting into until until you start doing it, and boy, they always say the first one's uh the the experiment, and both you and I are the oldest child yes. <laughs> we know sometimes we turn out the way we did because of our parents, but <laughs> sometimes we turn out the way we did despite our parents, right?
0: I think we turned out pretty perfect, that's. <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we did okay, but for sure, I mean, you know, and I talked to my parents about it as well. I mean, that first one, you don't know what the heck you're doing. You have a kind of a gestalt, and both Angelique and I had an idea in terms of we, how we wanted to raise Isaiah. We, we thought that, you know, good education, of course, was important. We thought that um, having music in his life was important. We thought that having a sport especially a team sport in terms of socialization and how to, you know, win gracefully, how to lose gracefully. I think these are important lessons. So, we, so we, we thought it was really important for him to be in a, uh, in a team sport as well.
0: And um, did you and Angelique's attitudes about how to raise kids develop from how you and Angelique were raised yourself by, you know, your individual parents or a combination of observing other um, friends who you think, oh, you know what? I really appreciate so-and-so's parenting style. I'd like to adapt some of that to our parenting style. Or were there books that you would read? Like, what kind of resources led to those discussions on how to raise your kids properly?
1: Well, you know, if you ask Angelique, she has volumes of volumes of various different books she's read throughout the years in terms of how to how to raise the kids. I I kind of a more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of guy, right? But, I mean even by che- seeing how we were raised you can't really compare anymore like I mean, both angelique and i grew up in fairly blue collar families um, we were both raised in surrey uh, you know my mom stayed at home my dad you know before he you know made it in sales and and um, car sales and, and then subsequently in um, house sales he was he was working blue-collar jobs right he owned a restaurant for a while he he, you know, he worked at Burger King, 7-Eleven, things like that. Actually, his dad's a postman all his life. His mom was one of the charge nurses at Surrey Memorial Hospital. in emerged all her life. Yep. So in terms of what's available nowadays to our kids and what was available to us as children in both time as well as resources, it's completely different. So, yeah, so it's, I mean, you can't really compare our childhood and kind of, um, you know, use that as a framework for our kids, right? It's 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 completely different.
0: Yeah, and even when it comes to disciplining, I think your kids, I think generations it's been very different. I know that when I grew up, I was uh definitely subject to some harsh discipline with uh we call her Mrs. Tung Chu, which is uh basically a Chinese feather duster, but was like my mom's best friend in growing up uh, when I didn't practice piano. And obviously, you know, nowadays, the way to discipline kids is probably a little bit different. How, how did you and
1: Angelique come to a
0: compromise on how to discipline your kids?
1: Well, it is a little bit different as well. And, you know, I have to say one thing. Raising a girl and raising a boy are two completely different sports. Um, the boys still need a little bit of fear. Maybe it's not so much corporal. You know, every once in a while, they need a smack in the bum for sure. But but you know maybe it's not that type of fear but they still need to fear fear a little bit you know yeah. not to the point where they cower and they live life in fear right. but they have to know that there are consequences for for their behavior you know i don't know if it's all girls probably not all girls but my daughter Esme is a lot more she's very stubborn but she's also very organized she's mm-hmm. she's she's thoughtful in terms of what she does every day but uh, you know teaching isaiah these you know, basic skills were, were a difficult part. And to me, I, I think one of the main things that I would like to speak to everybody about is in terms of the strat- strategies that, that we use to raise them and things that I think I did right and things that I did, think I did wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And in my, I mean, in the, di- Sean, <laughs> in, in the discussion today, I'll use a lot of hockey analogies because that's basically <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah Yang, ever since he was three and a half, has played hockey. And he's a good skater. He plays rep hockey for Burnaby. And, um, you know, he's, uh, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of analogies in sport um, that are applicable to life as well. Now, for Isaiah, one of the things that I think that we did well, but also did poorly was really focus on skills, life skills, you know, math, piano. Yeah. Um, you know, how to deke, how to shoot, you know, th- these things are skills. Now, the other strategy of teaching children, which I think probably might work better, is to teach them overall, um, you, you gotta exist. soft skills, maybe. No, they're more themes, uh, themes? and then okay. let, let them fill in the skills, okay? okay. So, for example, maybe what we we should have done to foster piano. He's a really good piano. Like, he's not a bad piano player at all. And he likes it. He doesn't love it. He likes it. Um, he'll go only practice when you tell him to go practice, but he'll happily practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never had to do, uh, bring out the, uh, the old feather duster for him. You tell yeah. him, Isaiah, you need to practice half an hour. Yes, Daddy. And he'll go practice. Yeah. But what's the difference between that kid that you have to tell him to practice versus the kid who just picks up the books and goes practice? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think that fostering themes like love of music, um, you know, fostering th- themes such as you know a winning spirit, a competitive spirit, uh, probably would have been a better strategy in terms of teaching him and let him fill in the skill sets himself. Okay, okay. okay. so you know, and in doing it this way, where you foster themes, is a lot more time consuming and a lot more onerous on parents right okay so for isaiah yang ever since he's three and a half i put him in skating ice skating and i we taught him how to skate and he's a he's a beautiful skater um but he never he never asked me can you teach me how to skate now on the other hand my youngest elias sees his brother playing hockey and you can just see the passion in this kid's eyes he just could not wait to skate ever since he will, he could talk, he could walk. So part of it is being the third child and modeling after his brother. But part of it is that I could have done a better job kind of exposing him to hockey, teaching him the, why it's such a wonderful sport, taking him to, to various different events. You're
0: talking about Isaiah,
1: right? Isaiah, yeah. Okay. And then... And then instead of <laughs> teaching him the skate, maybe having a little bit of patience and saying, waiting until he says, Dad, I really want to play hockey. Can I play hockey? Okay. And
0: I think... That sometimes is a, a challenge when you want to teach your kid something and you really have to be patient, I guess, in that, in, in following kind of that theme approach.
1: I think so. I think it's better to foster kind of the a passion first an interest first, and then teach the skills. Okay. The other thing,
0: you know, I've had this discussion with another friend of mine is that w- even personally, um, things that I enjoyed doing are things that you received a bit of affirmation that you could do it or a bit of success at an early young age. And I think for me, it was, it was music and, and piano. And that's probably what fostered my own discipline to kind of and practice because you felt good you felt good that you could accomplish something so would you encourage that or with your kids obviously you would want them to achieve and accomplish certain milestones
1: absolutely i think uh it's difficult as a parent um when you know they're four and a half years old and they're on the ice and they don't really want to work hard or if they're at school and they get home and you know they they learn addition and then a week later they can't figure out how to line up the numbers uh, to do addition like yeah. it's hard to feel a little bit upset about that right mm-hmm. but uh but you're right encouragement is worth so much more than than the negative feedback and i remember as well like you, you said right i mean what made me want to be better at something was somebody saying you're really good at this you should yeah. keep on working at it Absolutely. right so as a parent that's a difficult thing to do sometimes it really is instead of saying you know you need to practice math more because you're not good at this yet um versus saying you know you've got the basics down okay but you you should keep on working on it so you can get better and better right so it's it's the way you word things and uh, you know I, i think at the end of the day. A certain extent you can you can reach the same goal in terms of teaching them how to do you know algebra <laughs> the hard way or the easy way um, but i think in terms of fostering a, a spirit of lifelong learning and passion for this stuff you know there's a right way and a not as right way to do it and
0: do you think you know what you talked about with your approach differs from child to child because each child has a different personality you know so you know you can even look at our our, our like family you know you're the oldest of three i'm the oldest of three and all my siblings were all very different and we all grew up different and achieved different things same with your 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 siblings right so i think one approach that you tailor to say isaiah may not work with Esma or elias so but that's hard i i i would find that very challenging to have a different approach for each of your kids and trying to remember and be consistent between you and your spouse, in that approach,
1: you're absolutely right, Ben. I, I think um, you know uh, personalities and personalities have a huge, huge uh, play in this, right? Like, I mean, so at the end of the day, I think how you teach them, and it brings me back to what I said in the beginning. They're they're probably gonna all turn out fine because of me or despite me in various different times of life, because of Angelique or despite Angelique, they're probably going to turn out fine. What you have to do is you have to basically teach them the overall arching principles. So, you know, sorry to
0: interrupt, but that just brings me to a, a point when I was having dinner with Lee and some friends yesterday. and A couple of our friends were teachers. One's a vice principal. And, and they told us, you know, when you and Lee have kids, at the end of the day, your kid's going to be fine because they're raised in a loving home have parents that love them so sorry to interrupt but i just wanted to bring up that point because i totally agree
1: you're right but i mean i spend countless nights sometimes having a difficult time sleeping thinking about this but again it brings me back to the the importance of overall arching themes right like yesterday esme just started learning piano and yesterday she was getting extremely frustrated she was banging the keys. she was throwing her book and, and Angelique was getting frustrated herself because she's had a long day. And you know what? I sat back and I thought for a second because I just got home. I just got home in that second and there's all this kerfuffle going on. And Angelique said, You know, Esme, you can't be like this. You know, you have to push through it and this and that. And then, and then she got frustrated. And she said, Brian talked to her. <laughs> That's what she always Brian talked. Mm-hmm. And I took Esme aside and I said, Esme, listen, you are allowed to get frustrated. There's nothing in this world that is worth doing if at one point you don't struggle doing it. Okay, but what's important here is you have to get frustrated, throw your book around, then pick up the book and keep on going. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that's excellent, Brian. Actually, that's excellent that you could talk to your kid like that because when I you know read some of these articles that are posted. The number one kind of determinant of success in a kid is resilience. So I think what you are trying to teach her is to be resilient and pushing through that frustration because, I mean, even with us, when we go through our medical training, there are many months or even years that are
1: brutal, frustrating. I grade 12 calculus. I smashed my, cal- my calculator five times. Like It was just, it was just yeah. in pieces. I had to buy a new calculator every time because it was so frustrating. Oh, And
0: I've seen you rage.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell, I tell you what, thing. I mean, the the bottom line is, is that none of these kids, like Isaiah, is not going to be a professional hockey player. He's not even going to be drafted into junior, okay. And Esme Yang, Esme Yang, is not going to be a professional pianist. You have to think, why are you, why are you teaching these kids these skills, yeah. and you're using these skills to teach them overlying themes. So make sure you stress those themes yeah. and not so much the skill. Yeah. Why do you teach math? well, math is important for everyday function and things like that, but it's not as important as we think. We got phone calculators all the time. Why do you teach math? Because math is logic. Mm-hmm. Math is logic. If you understand math, you can understand logic and you can figure out how a lot of things go on. Yeah. So instead of like stressing on things like oh, times tables, times tables, which I went through with Isaiah already, but basically you, you have to teach them the beauty and logic give them problems to solve and show them th- and tell them Isaiah you got to really understand these things in order to figure out logic for the rest of your life yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. and i think that kind of brings to the point of the importance of soft skills versus hard skills so what you're mentioning about themes is kind of centering around soft skills the passion um, discipline time management communication team building versus actual hard skills which we I mean will pick hockey slap shot wrist shot passing skating all those type of things so
1: yeah, you know Ben Isaiah and I were driving back from Twasin today and you know it's a good 25 30 minute drive so he he had a funny question for me because him and his friends they, they at school they talk about the various things and he goes daddy do you think I'm smart and I said why do you ask that and he goes well do you think I will do well in the IQ test <laughs> <laughs> uh, did
0: you say not as well as
1: daddy <laughs> And I, I told him. I said, "Do you want the honest truth?" <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Yes." And I said, "I think you're. I think you're smart enough. I yeah. think you're smart enough. I don't. You're not a genius. Yeah. You're not a genius, and uh, you're not, um, you know, particularly extremely gifted in anything. But that has nothing to do with how you're gonna. If you're going to be successful in life, 100%. 100%. right?" And I said, Isaiah. I can tell you that I know at least, I probably know three geniuses. I've, I know three geniuses in my life and some of them we know in common. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're successful in career, successful in life, okay? And because sometimes those people who's, who are too smart have a difficult time connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, Isaiah, you're smart enough. You're smart enough to do well in life. You're smart enough to succeed. But... What's going to measure whether you're going to be successful in life in general is one how well how hard you can work, okay, mm-hmm. how much time you're willing to, to put into learning things, second is choices you make in life, and that's why mommy and I are here for you. We are going to help you make proper choices and your teachers, and we want you to make the proper choices. You're going to make mistakes, we all make mistakes. But we want to make the right choices in life. Mm-hmm. And then I said, number three, you have to be able to get along with people. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to show people you love them, care for them, okay? That you have a greater good in mind other than yourself. And that's how you will succeed in, see, succeed in life. And we had this very serious conversation. It lasted from the time we started driving Swasin until after dinner.
0: So how did he take that? Like, how did he respond to you? He said,
1: You never really know with kids. Yeah, but but he was listening, obviously. Oh yeah, he was listening. But the thing is, is like they don't. There's no affirmation from kids. Like you and I, when we talk, we nod at each other, we look at each other, we look each other in the eye, and we know we hear each other. Mm -hmm. Not only do I hear you, but I'm listening to you, and I understand you. Mm -hmm. Kids, there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. You you talk to them, and you have no idea (laughs) they even hear you half the time. But you know what? They're smart. Yeah, they actually. You say it enough times, it's ingrained in them. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. And actually, maybe that brings to the next point I
0: wanted to talk to you about is, you know, one of the things Lee and I, my wife, talk about a lot is, man, in today's society where it's very me, 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 very self-involved, very social media age. Like, how do you raise humble, empathetic kids, especially, you know, in a family who's, you know, the dad's urologist, head of urology you know how how do you how do you raise humble and empathetic kids and I think part of it was these life conversations that you had with your son in the car just random moments really
1: really it is you know what you know, when we were kids... Because kids have everything nowadays. That's exactly they what I was... They have everything. I was just about to say that. Listen, whenever I asked my mom for something when I was a kid, can I have this? No. The answer was always no. We can't afford it. No, we can't afford it. Now you can't use that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, they they don't know what it's like to, you know, have to let the bottom of your pant leg down like five times as you're growing throughout the next two years, right? Like, yeah. they have everything. Yeah. But you know what? They don't... But you know what? That's just the way they were grown up. And to tell you the truth, Ben, yeah. both you and I, at the end of our lives, will have enough that their their lives are secure to the point, hopefully, where they don't have to ever worry about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead, I want my kids to worry about bigger things in life. You know, you know, social things, um, the environment, things like that, yeah. that are are probably leadership leadership that's that's another right. great one right yeah. so there I, I want them to focus on things that i i didn't focus on when i was a kid yeah right so yeah. so
0: maybe and i my primary focus was obviously career yeah right
1: be able to be able to have a stable income, income
0: a job that you enjoy passionate about yeah. and then raise a family yeah right
1: and yeah, and it's a different, you know, both and I, you and I are, you know, come from our parents are immigrants. They had to work really, really hard to, yeah. to, to stay, to provide a, a, you know, a good childhood for us. Yeah. We want to be able to do that at the very least for our kids, but our kids will never have to worry about that. And hopefully the generation after them will never have to worry about that based on yeah. what we can accrue in our lifetime.
0: So was it true to say that your hope for your kids in terms of pursuing a career, is definitely all about, you know, what are they passionate about? What are they willing to work hard at? No matter what income they may afford, that is your ultimate dream and goal for them?
1: Well, at the end of the day, man, you and I have noticed more and more that there are a million ways to make money in this world. And the guys that, that do the best, and I, I see the guy that, uh, the auto mechanic, <laughs> that's just so passionate about his work, they always do fine by the end of their career. They're, they're, they love their job. They're so good at it. They're meticulous at it because they love it so much. And they're, they're not hungry for anything, right? You gotta love what you're doing. And if you love what you're doing, you're going to do a decent job at it. And then you can make a career out of it, right? Mm-hmm. But having said that, I mean, I would be hard pressed to, to think that my, my children would be going back to a blue-collar lifestyle. I just I don't think so. I always say to Angelique and my friends listen, with my interpersonal skills, with my ability to, you know, confabulate and make up BS, uh, <laughs> I probably would have made way, way more money as a businessman than as a doctor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my friends make is. fun of me. This is like, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, no, and it'd be unlikely because oftentimes your kids probably will pursue something that they're exposed to. They're not. They may not pursue urology or medicine but they're pursued uh, a white collar type of career now a question that i'm very keen on and i have my own opinions about this topic is you know uh, when we have dinner conversations with a lot of our friends and a lot of their kids are starting to enter kindergarten elementary school a common discussion is private versus public school you know Um, personally i am a product of public school and I would have to say a very low-ranking public school. But I was fortunate that I grew up in a very good family and also a very good community amongst the, the, the Chinese community in Abbotsford that really nurtured me. So um, I don't think either way if I went to private school, it would have made any difference to me. Um, your kids uh, go to private school? Yeah. yeah. They go to private school. And you grew up going to private school.
1: No, no. I, I went to public school until grade 10. Then I went to private school, for, for Catholic school, for two and a half years.
0: And so how did you come to the conclusion of deciding where to put your kids in, in school? Was like, What are some of the,
1: the topics or the
0: themes that you were looking at?
1: Well, at the end of the day, I, I don't really know if it makes a huge difference on average whether you go to private school or public school. But there are certain personalities that will thrive in the private system that wouldn't have thrived in the public system, but not vice versa. Okay. 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 So I, I think in general, somebody like Isaiah, who is a little bit more introverted, um, probably a little bit more shy, uh, you know, the environment is much better controlled in a private setting. Meanwhile, Eli walks into any room and the room lights up and everybody wants to be his friend, he's gonna do well at wherever. So, I mean, the same, same thing happened to my brother Pat and I, right? Like, I went, I went to Vancouver College in grade 10. My parents thought it was important for me to get a Catholic education for the final few years. Yeah. Um, you know, they will, I, I don't know what else they were thinking, about. Maybe, maybe getting the girls out of the equation and just, you know. But Pat went there for a month, and he couldn't take it. He ended up being a valedictorian. He ended up being captain of the high school basketball team. He's an ophthalmologist now. You know he's doing great, right? Yeah. So, he thrived in the public system. He overall was probably at that point a little bit more outgoing than I was. Okay. Uh, nowadays it's probably all switched switch now, but yeah. But back then he was extremely, extremely much more confident, much more outgoing than I was. Right. He too would have thrived in either system. Right. Meanwhile, I think really I I, I did I loved Vancouver College. I love the guys. You're I still was, good friends with. I oh, do, yeah, nice. I do, yeah. I keep in contact with them, and yeah. you know, I, I love that school. you know, the one thing I noticed when I went to VC was the bullying disappeared. Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't know if it was a because of a faith, <gasps> faith based system. It could have been, but I think it's actually more because the girls weren't around. Really. Yeah.
0: Okay. i so Or is it because you
1: became the bully? <laughs> There's a kid this kid for the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> He's from Surrey. Who is this brain guy? Holy jeez. <laughs> Where did no. he come from? No, uh, you know what I I um I don't uh, you know I I really like that environment and I think that was probably the best environment for me. Would I have done just as well if I stayed in public school for the n- next two years? Probably not in high school. I think I Probably did better in VC than I would have done in public school.
0: Okay. So you know, just kind of similar to what you talked about, choosing private versus public school is really case by case, kid by kid dependent. Really, you would.
1: And I also think that the you know, I, I don't I think all kids will thrive in all personalities will thrive fine in public public uh, private school, but there are certain personalities that will not do well in public school. Okay. Yeah. So they need a little bit more attention. They need a little bit more controlled environment. Okay. Um, and they need a little bit more of a narrow um, range of people. At what age, do you, in your experience, will
0: you learn to identify that in your kid about personality types quite early on, you would say?
1: No, I wouldn't say so. I, w- I would say that uh, it's probably somewhere in kind of mid to late elementary school. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So, so I, I think... Uh, I, I do not recommend uni gender schools in elementary school. Like I, I just don't think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I but I think that by the time they're about grade six, grade seven, grade eight, you should know emo- enough about your kid to know that are they thriving in this environment, yeah. or do you think they need a little bit more attention, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a controlled environment.
0: And I think, you know, just by talking to you, no matter you, whether you go to private versus public school, you, you spend a lot of time with your kids outside. You know what I mean? I say, you know, in, in terms of just general theme, I would say you spend, you spend a lot of time.
1: There, There was a study that came out of Boston quite a number of years ago where they transplanted private school kids or sorry, like kind of more higher socioeconomic kid, uh, class kids in the public schools and then and vice versa and at the end of the day what really mattered the most was how much time the parents spent teaching the kids right yeah. and so i don't have all the time in the world to teach them i really don't um you know on the weekends i sit down and do some math with them and and you know here and there little bits that i can offer them during the week yeah. um um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that is probably the most important is how much you care. And it may not even be how much I teach them. Yeah. It may be more that, oh, daddy and mommy find this important, and therefore I will yeah. work harder at it. Yeah. I think that's probably more more than anything else. It's just that, you know, as busy as we are, the kids recognize that this is something that mommy and daddy find important, and therefore I'll put in more effort into it. That's probably it. I mean, like, geez. L- like learning the skills and stuff like that. You're at school, honestly. They do a great job teaching teaching them how to do math and do this and do that. How to write beautifully, like, boy, I look at Isaiah's writing and it's way better than what I can write in grade ten, even sometimes, right? Yeah. And uh, they learn these things by themselves from the school, but I, I think part of I have not taught them any of that stuff. I I think part of it is just making them understand that this is important and i think when they're at that
0: young age and when they see parents that spend a lot of time with them and show them a lot of love i think their ultimate goal is probably you know what i need to make my parents proud right i feel like i need to make my parents proud and and whatever they what you just said what they want me to do that's makes them proud then maybe that's what i need to do to make them proud i don't
1: know. it's just at the end of the day, you know what I, I? I this is the funniest thing. I you know you sit. I've spent I don't know countless hours sitting, watching Isaiah play hockey. Countless hours, and every single time I'm there, doesn't matter if it's practice or a game, multiple times you see him look up into the stands and look straight at you because they want to see your reaction. Exactly. You they made they a. Look up and down. And the funny thing it was is Eli's just starting to skate now, right? So, so I Eli was. Um, we thought he wouldn't see us. We disappeared into the into the back of the rink and yeah. and uh, up, upstairs actually in the glass. And then we, then uh, then we came down. And then um, the coach Coach Brad, who also coached Isaiah when he was a kid, goes. Elias is so focused on you guys. I see my mommy. I see my daddy. Yeah. They're up there. They're up there. They yeah. know exactly where you because they're always looking to you. So you're, you're the hero. Yeah, you know, at the you're end the, the of hero. Day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's 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 um when you put in, it's not so much that stuff skills that we can teach them. It's basically still overriding themes. Yeah. Well, Mommy and daddy find school, figure school is very important for your success, and therefore, uh, we spend more time with you on it. Yeah. They'll they'll put in more effort to learn it. This is awesome, Brian.
0: I mean, I'm learning a lot. And I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast are going to learn a lot from you. But I just want to, I know you're busy, so you have to take off soon. But I want to ask you just to wrap up. um, What are some tips? Like, let's let's say, what are your top three tips, overriding themes that you would say worked for, for you and may work for other parents out there? You kind of touched on it, but just to summarize.
1: Take your time. You know, Ben, I don't, there are many, it's a work in progress. Being a parent is so rewarding, but 80% of the time it's so frustrating. (laughs) It's so frustrating. And uh, I'm tired. I'm overworked. I have the weight of the world on my shoulders sometimes, as, as do you. And we don't have the patience. Right? right? So, I mean, if there's anything that I would like to do better from here on in, and that I can impress upon you as a soon-to-be father, listen, I mean, sometimes you just got to take a step back. Yeah. right? And focus on the big picture. Yeah. Right? It's so, so focused on details all the time. Why didn't you make that pass instead of trying to rush it? You got checked, they scored on you. Like these are these are not what we should be focusing on. What we should be focusing on is I am glad you have the confidence to make that rush. Maybe in that case you should have made a pass. But the fact that you were able to take that puck and try to take on three or four players that's pretty darn good. And today Isaiah did exactly that. Yeah. First time he did it, he got through all four players, got a shot on net. The second time he did, couldn't get out of his zone. He got checked, yeah. and they didn't score. But they, but basically the entire the entire parent group on the bench was like, ah, oh! <laughs> everybody yeah. was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um. But well, I, I wasn't mad at him. At the end of the day, when we we're driving back, I said Isaiah, I'm glad you had the confidence and you you were on your game to the point where you feel like you can be deacon through four players. Right. Um, So that is the overlying theme. You know, I want like, uh, again, I I want him to play hockey, not because I want him to be, you know, an NHL player or anything like that. It's not even close. I want him to be able to get along with the kids in his locker room, have a focus together, feel, feel what, how great it is to work as a team Mm -hmm. to win You know, feel empathy for his, you know, for his teammate that got hurt. You know, you know, be sad together as a team when you guys lose that championship. But be able to pick yourselves up and be able to, you know, play again next season, right? These are the important and be be able to have confidence and and enjoy. I I do regret earlier on that it's been too focused on skating and shooting and passing. And it's, it's not what it's about yeah i mean confidence is the key and you know you
0: know my brother-in-law wiley and you know he and my sister have three young ones as well and i remember him telling me he's like you know what ben i don't care too much what career they pursue but i want them to have confidence especially in my niece you know, like resilience empathy social interaction hard work those are the themes i guess Yang.
1: yeah you know what I, I i tell you Ben, it's uh it is. It is about the themes. It's not about the details. The details they'll fill in.
0: And you know, you and Angelique are not raising very good millennials or Gen Zs because they're generally felt to be entitled, lazy, narcissistic, unfocused, self-interested. Your kids are complete opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just uh, it's it's easy for them to become that way, right? Yeah. It's easy. It's so easy. Um, but you know, you have to. I hope they appreciate it one day because it's a struggle when all the other kids have iPhones and iPads and you still say no, okay? Um, and the other kids have screen time every day and you still say no. And you know, at the end of the day, it's you. You want them to be able to know how to use these things and understand it, so they can talk to their friends about it when other people's or uh, people are talking about roadblocks, they know what this what they're talking about. But at the same time. You don't want the their whole lives to be about that. Yeah. I want to be on the iPad. I want screen time two hours a day. That's what my friends get. No, that's yeah. not what you, that's not what you get. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so. hey, so you know, I really, really appreciate you coming here. To, to I know you're so busy, but thank you for taking the time. And you know, honestly, I think a lot of the people listening, our friends listening to this podcast, are learning a lot from you from this. And so, Brian Yang, I'm gonna summarize here. You're a father of three, devoted husband, urologist, top three busiest urologist, uh, head of urology. Hey, when are you going to write a book? <laughs> when are you going to add author to your uh, list of titles,
1: Brian Yang? Uh, you know what? I appreciate you inviting me, I'm Benny, and, um, you know, it is, you know, a lot of times we plan to do stuff like this together, you know, with, with the boys and just get together and, and shoot the shit. And I, I started way earlier than you guys, like all of you guys, right? Yeah. Like, well, you're more mature than us. <laughs> so I wouldn't say so, but uh, but you know, I was thrown in the situation where I had to face this way earlier, and there are a lot of things I learned that I would love to share with you guys, just because you know it's uh, it's not easy. It's yeah. not be it's not easy being dad, a career guy, and, and you know, shout out to our spouses for sure because they they take a lot of guff um, for us to be able to do what we do, right? Yeah. They really do, right? and I know Angelique for a fact. She, she, you know, she has taken a huge backseat. You, you know, her. She's well educated. She's smart. She's outgoing. She could basically. Yeah, do I whatever. think all the boys agree. Uh, you lucked out. <laughs> married yeah. up. You, you, you won the wife lottery. <laughs> all of us. All of us married up, and that's the truth. But, but you know, to to be able to to make sure that the kids grow up well and to get all the opportunities that we never got, she has really taken a step back, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't say enough about, you know, your spouse, that's for sure.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Brian, thanks again, man. My pleasure, Benny. That was
1: awesome. (laughs) (laughs)